Welcome to the journey with Mpo Podcast, a sacred space for healing, love, and rediscovering your life purpose. Introducing your host, Mpo. Okay, so we should probably start off with a mic check. And then I'll introduce the episode. On a scale of like 1 to 10, how do you guys feel anxious-wise? The anxiety scale. Jess, why don't you go first? Probably about a five and a half to a six. Hmm. That's a good number. That's a good number. It's manageable. Exactly. That's change at any moment, though. (laughs) It could go either way. Um, I'm like a seven and a half to an eight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm what pretty much you? there with you. I'm I'm there with you. I'm probably at like a seven or eight, mainly because it's 5 a.m. in the morning as well. <laughs> I don't know if I can trust my brain, but we're going to try and see how it goes. Um, let's do a singing bowl. I've got a crystal singing bowl, different from the last episode, which was a Tibetan singing bowl. This one is red and it plays the sound C for the root chakra. Um it's deeper and I'm excited. We'll play it and then we'll start the episode. Or maybe I'll ask you guys how you're doing after I play it. I've never played it up on the table.
I like that I can play this at 5 a.m. in the morning and my neighbors don't hear a thing or don't know what it is. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Hello, JWM friends and family. Welcome to part two of our Millennial Perspective Conversation. In part one, we focused on mental health. That is, our experiences with mental illnesses, mindful practices that support our well-being, the underrated act of daring to live in the present moment, and so much more. If you have not yet had a chance to listen to episode 21, I would highly recommend that you do that prior to proceeding with this one. When we concluded part one, I mentioned that part two would be focused on the career part of the millennial perspective, but then I realized that this part would be released a day before Valentine's Day, so I figured let's focus on relationships. Why? Well, because duh, I'm a romantic who doesn't believe in observing Valentine's Day, so this conversation is going to be interesting. But before we dive into the heart of the matter, I realized in part one, I did not provide an official biography of my friends. Since they're such great beings, I just assumed you already knew who they were. <laughs> so I'm going to ask them to brag a little bit about themselves. We'll start with Jess. Let's do, who are you? Would you mind sharing a fun fact about yourself and current favorite movie or song? Okay. I actually like being introduced by other people because um, it gives me kind of a window or a view into the way that they perceive me, which is really refreshing because when people are like, tell me a bit about yourself, I'm like, I panic. I'm like, oh, I don't know. But when someone else introduces me naturally, they say all these wonderful things that I never thought about <laughs> myself. And I'm like, oh, wow, you view me in such a, such a good light or you have all these nice things to say that I wouldn't necessarily say about myself. So it's nice to hear different people in different environments and perspectives introduce you just to get like a glimpse of how people view you, which is nice. Um, I think the, the who am I? Oh, it's such a big question, but I can throw <laughs> characteristics out there outside of the anxiety and depression, which we talked about previously. I'm a serial academic. Uh, I love learning new things. Um, it's kind of my personification just learn a new skill master it and see how I can apply it in life and that's that's basically who I am it's what I love to do um fun fact about myself it's not really fun it's a bit weird but I love to cross stitch it is the weirdest hobby but I so love a little cool. cross stitch <laughs> especially a rude cross stitch because it's meant to be quite dainty and quite like old ladyish and pretty but there's nothing better than like a piss off crusted <laughs> really lovingly into a design um and then current favorite movie or song i listen to too many genres of music and too many different kinds of watch too many different kinds of movies to pick one um my current favorite is just finding new things to watch and to listen to. Any kinds of music, any kinds of more series than movies. Um, movies are a commitment. Series, because it's packaged into a bite size, you can sit for 10 hours straight um, and not worry about it. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. In terms of professional, um, I run strategy at a software company and I have done so for quite a few years. 
Um, and that's about it for me. You did meet you, Jess. I found out some things that I didn't know about you in that little spiel there. Likewise. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you for sharing, Jess. Lots of interesting things that we definitely did not know about you that we now know. I knew that you were a serial <laughs> academic, by the way, because we went to the same college. Um, yeah. But what about you, Naledi? Who are you? Would you mind sharing a fun fact about yourself? And then current favorite movie or song? <laughs> Alrighty. So my name is Naledi Siawi. I am 27 years old. Naledi means star. So I am supposed to do great things in life. Um, <laughs> um, currently, I don't have a favorite movie, but I have a favorite song. It's Wonderful by Travis Scott because um, that's kind of my goal in life for all experiences to kind of be wonderful. Um, academically, I went to Varsity with Jason and Paul, so I got my BCom in marketing. After that, I studied events management. After that, I studied interior decorating. And after that, I studied photography because anything anything I kind of sort of like, I literally delve in, learn all about it, then decide from there whether I want it or not. Um, that's my whole approach in life. Uh, something interesting about me is I actually have my national colors in equestrian. I used to show jump for my for my school in primary school and uh, beginning of high school. So I actually have my uh, colors in equestrian for show jumping. Um, I'm also a ballroom dancer. I figure skate. I did boxing for a little bit. Um, what else do I do, guys? I'm like a serial hobbyist. Anything that kind of seems cool to me, I'm like, let's do it. Oh, I also, I also used to do vaulting, which is gymnastics on horses. Um, but yes, I am quite the adventurous and any opportunity to just kind of be social and do something fun and try something I've never tried before, I am all for it. I've always loved that about you. Thank you, friend. <laughs> um, Career-wise, I'm as all over the place as I am with my hobbies. <laughs> I've literally been everything from a real estate agent to a personal trainer. Um, I currently own my own clothing brand called By Strokes. I'm also, I'm also a serial entrepreneur. Um, I'm part owner and own a few couple businesses here and there. And I'm always looking for the next fun business idea just to kind of give it a go. I'm definitely not afraid of failure. If anything, I try too many things. <laughs> but yes, ladies and gents, that is me. Jess, when um, she spoke about having national full colors, you kind of were shocked. That's something we didn't know about her, yeah? I didn't know most of those things. <laughs> I knew you were like just visually a very athletic person. I didn't know that there were so many things jammed into that. I could barely keep up like a single extra meal. So I don't know. <laughs> like I picked one and I had to be not even good at it. I just had to show up like every week to that thing and just commit that, that was it <laughs> Jessica's like I can't do this you guys are asking too much of me <laughs> that's why I say I'm an academic because people understand they're like oh you're an academic you're not very sporty are you I'm like no I'm the legally blind almost I can't be sporty I've tried I miss it. <laughs> but at I least you tried the ball. <laughs> 
That's thank you for sharing. I've learned a little bit about you both that I can now add to my like things I know about Jess, things I know about Naledi that I can speak to and link up and be like, oh, you ride horses? I could connect you with my friend in South Africa who has national colors. <laughs> um, so let's dive into today's conversation. Relationships with a focused lens on dating, marriage, and children. If you hear my little one screaming in the background, just bear with me. It is 5 a.m. and she's not used to mommy being out of bed at this time. I may just pull her in midway our conversation, so we'll see. But I'll throw the question to the room, and it's kind of just an icebreaker in the relationship dating world. Do you guys believe in love at first sight? Absolutely not. (laughs) I was about to say the same thing. I was like, I'll start with this one. Um, No. Mm. Short answer, no. It's not a real thing. No? No. I mean, unless I was going through some sort of psychosis at the time. No, it's, it's not logical. You can't love some someone by just seeing them. Okay, unless it is your child. Unless you have birthed a child or adopted a child, I think then love at first sight could be a thing. But in terms of relationships and dating, I think you can be very attracted to someone at first sight. And then upon getting to know them, you could think you love someone and then they turn out to be a complete asshole. And so where does the love is such a big thing. I don't think it's an at first sight. I think attraction at first sight. I think lust at first sight. All of those things at first sight. But love, no, no. Mm. that's just my perspective and it sounds hella judgy but i don't think it's no jessica do not apologize it does not sound judgy it sounds like science (laughs) it sounds like facts and i support it unless you truly have never experienced love and you are confusing it with something else altogether you cannot possibly just lay eyes on someone and be like i am in love there is no way being in love it takes so many small things put together. Yeah. That one small thing, like your physical appearance, cannot be the base of it. Like, it's just... And again, I think it... Now we're going to get really finicky because we are those people, but it depends what you mean by love at first sight. Are you seeing a picture of them? Is someone walking by? Has someone just saved the life of a puppy in front of you? Like, it's very, it's different. Um, Because I think Tinder kind of plays on the, that's only dating app I know where you just look at people's pictures. Mind you, I know very few dating apps. Plays on the whole thing of like, you see something, you like something, you might love something. But in reality, there is no way that just physically seeing someone's appearance can hit all those deep notes inside of your heart. That's like, this is the person I love and I need to be in my life forever. It's just not possible. Mm-hmm. But you seem like you might think differently. <laughs> no, I'm just taking it all in. I'm thinking of perhaps chemistry at first sight. You know, you could meet someone and be like, ooh, I'd like to see where this goes. Even in friendships, you could meet someone who you vibe really well with and you're like, let's try it again. Maybe let's go out for a coffee date. Let's go out for lunch. Maybe you met them in a group and now you want to go out one-on-one with the person just to kind of get a better feel of their vibe. So maybe not love at first sight per se, 
I don't know if I believe in love at first sight, but I'm also very scared to close myself off to the idea. Like Nalini, you say, <laughs> you know, you said it's scientific, and I think I run more on like a good balance of like science and like um, I don't want to use the word spirituality, but like science and like feelings, um, vibes. There's there's a word for it, like uh, science and almost like destiny to a sense. So okay. I like run it in the two so you could meet someone at first and maybe fall in love with them but maybe not recognize it as the love that we long-term experience and say oh there's these bunch of things that have happened that make us feel love toward one another so i'm like yeah and i'm not fully believing yeah sorry um i 100 get what you're saying there but i think that's why we need to differentiate between actually just seeing someone and saying i love that person and mm-hmm. meeting someone who you have a connection with and then end up falling in love with i think those are two mm. very different things i believe in destiny to some extent and i yes. believe in soulmates to some extent and i believe okay. that you are meant to meet certain people you're meant to spend certain like time with certain people i believe that the world happens and you're just like a bystander to it um, so you can meet someone, you're like, oh, well, this person is awesome. And then you hang out with them and you fall in love with them. And that's great. But I can't, I can't, I can't fathom seeing someone for the first time thinking they're awesome and saying, I am in love with this person. Yes. I truly love this person. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. The other part of this is semi Disney style. Do you guys believe in happily ever after? I Just do. The lady. I don't. Okay. So let me me say why I don't, and then maybe you'll understand a little bit. I think in Disney style, it's very unrealistic. I think the way they paint happily ever after is not an accurate depiction of the amount of work that goes into a a relationship. And Mm -hmm. happily Mm -hmm. ever after, it's like it it's so finite in that the the way they model it is one single person you're with them for the rest of your life and that's your happily ever after but it doesn't Mm. take into consideration the amount of people you might have romantic relationships with um and it kind of takes away from that you could be happy for a portion of your life and unhappy for a portion of your life and to paint getting into a relationship with us happily ever after, I think it often pushes people into staying in relationships for much longer than they want to, to be dedicated Mm. to the happily ever after and that kind of thing. So I think it's unrealistic. I also don't believe in the one. I believe in people in timeframes. If that timeframe is 70 years, Mm. so be it, but not forever. I don't think there's one single person on this earth that is meant for you. There are so many people on this planet and a lot of people don't even go outside their state or their province Mm. who is to say that your soulmate is the person that's like five kilometers away from you when you (laughs) never leave and this world is full of so many different people so those are kind of uh romantic tropes that we see in disney we see it in Mm. romantic movies we see it in netflix originals Mm. and that kind of thing and i just don't buy into it i wish there was a more realistic depiction and i mean recently i don't remember the name of the movie but there was a more realistic depiction where 
they didn't end up together in the end and they went their separate ways, not for lack of trying, but it was better for both of them in the end. And I'm like, that is a happily ever after. I think the only happily ever after you could have is the relationship with yourself because that's what you're working on lifelong. That is the only guaranteed person that you're going to be with forever. So make yourself your happily ever after. Very well said, Jessica. (laughs) We concur. Very good points raised. The lady, um, what do you think? I, I do believe in happily ever after. Mm-hmm. I think the way it's depicted in Disney is not realistic. And it would be, yeah. I don't want to say silly because some people actually do believe it, but you can't take what happens in an animated Disney, maybe not even animated, a Disney film, a film mm. where people literally sat down in an office, wrote a script, aimed specifically at young people. I'm thinking of like your Disney princesses right now. I'm not talking about the the new stuff. Um, Aimed specifically at young children and think that this applies to the lives and the the complex relationships of old people. By old, I mean like 28 and above. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm including us. We're the old people. When I say old people, I mean us. Um, yeah, you can't, you can't possibly compare our relationships to that of the relationship in The Little Mermaid. There is mm. no, like, you cannot. Yeah. Mm. Um, because they've touched on very little that, that applies to our worlds today. But I do believe in happily ever after in the sense that your relationship, not your life, mm. that's also something you need to differentiate. Just because you found the person who you love with your whole heart doesn't mean your whole life is going to plan out perfectly. I think we mm. need to distinguish the those elements of happily ever mm. after um mm. i think first of all i do believe in soul mates but not one i think that there are like hundreds of thousands of people in the world that you can have a really good relationship with and if you're lucky enough to stumble upon that one out of a hundred thousand and you guys have a great friendship a great relationship you're fairly happy i think you found your soulmate. And I think people put so much weight and so much pressure on the person they love because they need that person to, like, be everything to them. You are my soulmate, so you need to fill every single gap in me, and we need to fit together, like, two puzzle pieces because you are everything. And it's kind of like, that's that's not how it works. Um, You have best friends that you will have forever, and... Sometimes you're like, my friend's a bit of an asshole. Like sometimes your friend's a bit of an asshole and you'll fight and you'll be on and off, but you, you don't put as much pressure on them to be perfect as you do your romantic partner, which I find very unfair in life. So yeah, I do think that they can be a forever after. I think if you are with a, a happily ever after, sorry, if you are with one of your soulmates (laughs) and you guys are in a healthy, loving mutually beneficial relationship that partnership can benefit you forever having that partner can help you through all of life's struggles so you can live happily ever after with your person because they make all the challenges and all the roadblocks and everything else in your life bearable easier they're your support they're there with you so that when life is a mess this is your happy and if you've got that forever then you are living happily ever after you know huh yeah yeah. I think so, I yeah, provide I think... some context. I'm not 
like a cynic. I'm not like the oh, I hate love. I don't believe in love at first sight. I don't believe in happily ever after. I fall in love for free. For free. You name a person. I could fall in love with them. I'm a hopeless romantic. I'm just, uh, it's dawned on me the realities of life mm-hmm. and also misrepresentations in yes. pop culture. Uh, mm-hmm. And so with with those sentiments, with love at first sight as it's depicted to us, year after mm. year through movies and and media, I don't believe in those. Mm. So just to provide some context, I'm not yeah. like the Grinch sitting in my room saying I hate love. Like, <laughs> I actually like people. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of them, but I do like them. Uh, and what about you, Paul? I know you're quite the romantic, so... I am. But, you know, to Jess's point, I think when you are trying to unburden yourself of all of this media pressure to have love at first sight or to have a happily ever after, you risk sounding like a cynic. Because I remember just watching a movie and going, nope, don't believe in love at first sight. Nope, don't believe in happily ever after. And I don't think it's that I don't believe in those things. I think for a moment in time, you could have happily ever after with someone. And so now I'm more open to the idea of when we are in alignment, this could be our happily ever after. And that could be six months, one year, 20 years, however long. But if your love is in alignment with my love and we're able to build something on that, that's our little box of happily ever after. But I don't want to it's interesting because in the past I used to think I actually wouldn't want to sign and get married to someone I just actually want us to live together buy furniture and kind of split expenses but when the time for you to leave or you feel or I feel we're no longer a great fit or our happily ever after container has come to its end I want to be able to freely leave and not feel like, oh, there's divorce fees and all of this. Mm, Now I have your last name and you have my stuff and like it's a whole mess kind of thing. So like this free flowing thing. And if I were to commit to someone forever, I would actually want them to live next door because like you guys, I like people, but I don't like them that much. You know, like too much of my (laughs) space is like, oh man, like when are you going home? (laughs) You know, like... I'm a loner in that way. Like I love, you know, love and I love romantic stuff, but sometimes I have these, and it's probably like 60% of the time actually, where I just want to be by myself. And I'm content with that. I could read a book, take a long bath by myself, you know, go on a walk, get on a new hobby and things. And I'm okay with that. I'm like, live next door, hon. You can come visit, you know, whenever we feel (laughs) we miss each other and we want to be together because sometimes relationships need space. And you were saying, you know, like, oh, you're going to go hoeing around or whatever. But like, it's not about that. It's more about I need time to work on myself and my goals. And if we're so much into to get into each other, then it's hard for me to have that time to build the self-love relationship that Jess was talking about. So I'm like floating on like, yes, I believe in happily ever after. Not the Disney kind. No, I'm not a cynic. Um <laughs> is where I'm at. Yeah. That's very interesting because I did not think you'd have that kind of view on yeah. marriage, first of all. Um, I think 
one thing where we're all kind of maybe not in tune is that happily ever after looks different for everybody. And mm-hmm. your comparison to Disney is a brilliant comparison, but I think you're both being like, oh, I don't want to come across as a cynic. And the thing is, like, I think just because you have a different perception or idea of happily ever after, it doesn't mm. mean you're a cynic to go against what Disney said it is. Mm. Mm. Um, so I don't see either of you guys as cynics, um, especially because I know you guys personally and I've known you guys in relationships to some extent. Um, and I just think it's sad that there are probably so many more women and men out there who have the same opinion as you guys but they're afraid to share it freely because they don't want to come across as oh i don't want people to think that i hate love or like i hate people and oh no that i don't want to get married or like i don't want to be with someone forever um there's a level of judgment on your forever your happily ever after being different to other people's mm. And yeah, sometimes you just need to ignore the judgment of what other people would perceive it as and be like, in my happily ever after, this is what would happen. It's not that you don't believe in it. It's that you don't believe in Disney's version of it, which is perfectly okay. And who am I to be like, you're a cynic. No, no, no. You love and you love hard. You just do it in your own way. Yes, yes. So yes, guys, do not consider consider yourselves as cynics because you're really not... (laughs) Okay. okay. You're Thank really you. not. See, Naledi's here to validate us. Yes. She's like, listen, guys, you have you, you have the right to feel the way you feel and not explain why you feel the way you feel. I like that. Truly. I like that. Okay, so love at first sight, happily ever after. Where do we meet these people? Like in your experience, where's the best <laughs> place to meet a potential person to date or marry, work? Is it I work, through mutual friends, dating apps? Tell me. What do you is mean? Is that not lot? the golden question? I feel like every single person who's just ready to love and settle down is like, where do we meet these people? Anywhere and everywhere. I don't think there's one specific place. Like Jess said, your soulmate could literally be five kilometers away or could be in America, as Impo has proven. Um, I think there is potential to meet really great people anywhere whether it's romantic or friendship or work-related, literally anywhere you could meet someone who's going to contribute to your life in an important way or in a big way. Um, I think it's silly to shut certain places down, like, no, you can't find love in the club, or like, no, I'm not going to go on dating apps, everyone there is just going to catfish you. Like, don't limit yourself. Um, if you don't want to go on dating apps, don't go on dating apps, but don't say you'll never find love on dating apps. Um, I met my boyfriend at his house after he did not invite me there. And we've been together for five years now and plan on getting married. So I don't know what to tell you. Um, uh, so yeah, like, I don't know, Jess, what do you think? Where do you meet these people? I don't know. I've been a hermit for the past decade. I don't know where to meet people. Even the, the thought of dating scared the shit out of me. I was like, how do you do this after? Because mm. for being like with being with someone for an extended period of time, you kind of get out of that. You get used to a life that you have with someone else. And then all of a sudden now you must re-enter the dating world. And you're like, how does this work? What do mm. people even do? And I'd heard through the grapevine that the dating scene was terrible because no one wants to commit and everyone just wants to hang out. And I'm like, I 
casual I sex. will commit to you within two weeks. I am such a commitment person. I like I know whether I like you or not. And if I like you, I'm sorry. It's yeah. it's this or nothing. I can't get to know multiple people at the same time and that kind of thing. So mm. I don't know where to go to meet people. I've never even thought about it. So like I've never expressly gone out of my way to just meet someone mm. for a romantic relationship. I go out of my way to meet random people just for my own mental nourishment and that is generally networking events Mm. and talks and I often go on my own and it's not to meet the next love of my life it's just to meet people with different perspectives so maybe that's a good place to meet people maybe meet someone with a different perspective go to a networking event you might find your soulmate (laughs) (laughs) Co-signed yeah. by Jessica Knight. <laughs> and learn something new. Two for one yeah. special. Oh, academics. <laughs> Two for one special. <laughs> I like that. Someone said that about pregnancy. They were like, if you get twins, it's two for one special. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I um, mean, is it a special? <laughs> is it? It's more like a surprise than a special. Like you're spending more money. It's not a special. It's not buy one, get free either. It's buy one, get one for almost triple the price. Literally. So is it? Oh, no. Let's say this is a question about kids. I I get you guys' sentiment. (laughs) But um, just going with what Jess said about like if she had to go out and like look for a romantic partner, my boyfriend and I often have these like conversations in a joking like way because I'm always like, if we ever broke up, like I'm not trying to date anyone my age because like all my race, because I'm like, because I hang up with a lot of. I want to say young black men, men my age that are black, and they're all just terrible people. The ones I know, like, and not even just like some of them, every single one that I've met that I hang out with, even old friends, I hang out with young black people all the time, and young black men are just not the ones, guys. Like, I look at them and I'm like, where would I turn to? Where would I go? And my, my boyfriend shares the same sentiment. He's like, where am I going to find? A girlfriend after this, he's like, I don't know how to talk to women anymore. I'm not a flirt. I can't go to the club. What am I supposed to say to them? And it's just so funny because like Jess was saying, when you're out of the dating pool for so long, things change so quickly. But because you're not trying to keep up with it, you don't realize how much it's changed until someone who is trying to find someone to date is like, friend, it is slim pickings out here. The streets are cold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to your point, Naledi, welcome to Black History Month, by the way, in the US. <laughs> Is the it Black History like 20, Month? Yes, 28 days, the shortest month of the year. Oh, yeah, naturally, they give you that month. I will go to say um, the experience with maybe the Black men that we've been with may have not been as great. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have a son, because I wanted to have an opportunity to influence and nurture and raise a human being that would be the kind of black man I would have wanted to be with. I think that the good ones, maybe, it's a cheesy phrase, but maybe the good ones are taken and the rest that's just left is like, you know. Maybe the good ones are in a different state. (laughs) (laughs) True, too. I was going to talk about like countries and like yeah. 
you know, so maybe it's not like South Africa and maybe like not America, but maybe somewhere in the world, there is like a ton of good black men in one country. We don't know, but <laughs> good points. Good points. Um, Let's before, talk. So, Paul, before we carry on, I don't want anyone to think that I hate black men in my country. <laughs> I don't hate black men in my country. I think the, the ones, ones I'm ex- the ones I'm exposed to are terrible people. <laughs> Just the ones I'm exposed to. Yes. Maybe I'm hanging around the wrong crowds. But black yes. South African men, I'm sure there are good ones out there. Uh, don't follow me and hate me. <laughs> Yes. yes, I was trying to fix the pot for us, friend. That's why I was like, yeah. not everyone, you know, like I was cooking but the pot. Like other countries, I'm like, nah, but I live in this country, poor we. I, I don't want to be that girl. No one's going to go off to Jess. She white and cute. I, I, I will be targeted. Yes. But no, yes. It's, it's, it's the ones I'm around. Um, yes. There are lovely men. And I don't think they're all taken, guys. I honestly think there are good men out there who are looking for good women. I think everyone is in the same boat. Everyone's just trying to find their their partners in life. And yeah. maybe you just, you're not hanging around good groups of people. So you're not exposed to good groups of people. Yeah. Yeah. The circle. The circle definitely matters. 100%. So... In the past, we've spoken about starting off with someone who is already established versus building an establishment with someone. Would you please share your perspective and or sentiments on this? Personally, I date whoever my heart wanted to date. Um, I think maybe because financially I'm okay, I don't look for that in a partner. Um, I think yeah. there are so many more important things that trump finances when you're looking at someone who you're going to spend most of your time with, the person who's going to influence your mind, your emotion, and your well-being the most. Um, mm. Finances really play a very small role in that um, initially when you are looking for someone to be your partner. Okay. Um, so either or, I'll take them. Um what was the rest? Of the, was that the whole question? That was the whole question. That was the whole but question. But I do understand the appeal in wanting to be with someone who is career-wise and financially stable and settled. Um, okay. So the joke with my boyfriend when I said I'm not trying to date anyone my age and black, I always say I'm going to date someone who's like 35 or 36 for a couple of reasons. Um. I'm so ready to like start living my life and move out of home and uh, just go away and just start my life with my person. Financially, I'm not in the position to do that um, and neither is my partner. So if, I'm, if I've got a, like, a checklist of who I'd want to be with next, um, it would be someone who's ready to take that step with me, who's financially willing, able and ready. Also, maturity. I'm not trying to tell someone to like grow up. Maybe let's not hit the club so much. Like maybe don't call women thoughts. Like I'm not trying to No, truly. You'll be amazed, Jessica. You hang around good people. But my friends are literally like, hey, bitch is this. Hey, hun's this. And I'm just like, I'm not trying to put up with that. And so there's a level of maturity and experience. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to take away your youth as well. If you still want to be in the streets, you still want to go to clubs, you still want to, call women all these things and chime in with your friends when you guys are being inappropriate. Who am I to stop you from living? All I'm saying is I just don't want to date you. 
I want to date someone who's very self-aware, who's trying to be a better person, who's working on themselves, who knows what they want in life and is ready to do that, who's done playing around, who's experienced all they need to experience and is ready to just focus on me. Like, let us figure out our lives now. I think when you're young, it's you get involved in so much of like everyone else's opinions, what everyone else is doing, what everyone else wants, what your parents want, what your friends are doing. But I've gone to a point where I'm like, now I'm ready to just live for me and my person. Mm. Yeah. So, but also you can't help who you fall in love with. So everything I just said also goes down the drain <laughs> when you just go back to feelings. When you see them at first and you fall in love with them. <laughs> <laughs> and your life is a fairy tale and you live happily ever after. And then you're the, yeah. the one. The, the one. The one. The one and only. The You've one. met your soulmate. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're forever. Yes. In terms of an established person, I think it's just, it's quote unquote, someone who has their shit together. That's, that's an established Thank person. you, Jessica. It's someone who has their shit together. And why wouldn't you want to be with someone who, who has it semi figured out? We know not everyone has all things figured out. Not everyone, even nearing 30 knows what they want to do with their life. And that's perfectly fine. But if you're working towards something, mm-hmm. you have some sort of direction you have a bit of ambition you have some goals you are financially responsible you don't need to be a millionaire you just need to know how to manage your funds it's everyday life skills that I think determines an established partner can they do those things where you don't have to teach them a whole bunch of life skills just to be in a relationship with them you don't have to impart a huge amount of knowledge for them to be on the same level as you so with that alignment Mm. that's the kind of established person that you'd want to be with and relationships teach Mm. people a a lot of things but there's certain baseline skills that you just don't want to regress with Um, and I understand Naledi's perspective of not wanting to date someone like even your age or younger um, because sometimes they're just Mm. not on that level but also you can be youthful and not a misogynist. So to those guys who are like wanting to be young, you can still be young and not disrespect women and that kind of thing. So I wish I could bring Jessica to my black guy <laughs> friends and just be like, listen to her, please. I think I just want to be with someone who has a ton of money. <laughs> and and that's coffee. okay. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. I've asked Michael, I'm like, you know what, maybe you should apply for like a really high paying job or like have a high paying like business or something. So I could just chill, you know, like this whole independent feminist women stuff has, is, is a little tiring. Like I just want to like go to therapy, go jogging with my little chihuahua in my Gucci bag. <laughs> I mean, you, <laughs> you know? can be a feminist and not want to work. So... <laughs> Also, I don't like, I don't like the shame society puts on women for not wanting to work. I think, like everything else in life, you have choices. I'm sure there are many men out there who, if they have the choice, and their wife made enough money or their girlfriend made enough money, they choose mm, not to work. Yeah. So, yeah. why is that a, a bad thing? Just be with someone who doesn't mind making the money. Yeah, and that's my thing. Like, okay, so I'm sorry you're offended that I want to be with someone rich. Then don't date me. Go away. I'll find a rich person who does want to date me. Yeah, 
Yeah. So Paul, don't apologize for that. Speak your truth. If you want to be a stay-at-home mom, hang out with your baby all day, walk your chihuahua. If your husband makes enough money and he's happy with it and you guys love each other, I don't see what the problem is. It sounds good. I, I don't want to be a boss, babe. I don't want to rise and grind. It's exhausting. <laughs> right? It's Thank so you, Jessica. Tiring. I'm so tired. <gasps> and, it's, and it's like we're not allowed to express that. Like, listen, no, I am tired. And if there is a way for me to live a great life and just go do yoga and have boozy brunches with my friends, then God damn it, I will take it. Sign me up because I'm sick of working. I'm sick of sitting in a chair the whole day. And I love my job. This is coming from someone who loves their job. I love what I do, but I hate working. I'm I'm so tired. I'm not even 30. And I just want... I want someone to accidentally transfer millions into my bank account and just never undo it. Just And I don't want to buy fancy things. I don't want material things. I just want like a nice, yeah. quiet holiday. I want, I want to go on a hike Genuinely. somewhere and not have to worry about my bills. I want to mm. just go on like a little excursions for myself. Just someone accidentally transfer like, money now. Do it, please. If, if anyone listening to this podcast has excess millions, run, like, just lying around, through. just DM and Paul. Like, things, like, conversations can be had. Like, but, we um, are so tired. Based on what Jess is also saying, I think another annoying thing about that whole, like, that whole idea that, you can't say you want to be a stay-at-home wife. You have to be a boss babe that like rises and grinds is that if you're not ambitious as a woman in 2022, then like, what are you? Yeah. And it's annoying because people equate ambition with a career and that yeah. shouldn't be the case. Mm. Like I'm ambitious in that I do everything I set my mind to and I do it very well. Like Jess excels in her academics, every hobby that I've taken up, I've far exceeded, like I have killed it, guys. I'm excellent at every hobby, sport, everything I've done, I've killed. Except piano. I took up piano. I'm not patient enough for piano. I was just like, oh, my fingers can't reach. But I need people to stop equating ambition with your career. There's my dog. So um, <laughs> like it's and the thing is like there's so much pressure for women to be ambitious now because it's like oh you have rights now you want equal pay be ambitious it's like oh no it's the feminist revolution so go be CEOs yes women who want to be CEOs go ahead kill it ladies but for everyone else why is there that pressure? Why is there pressure for me? Because I got a degree, because I've got all of these qualifications, why is there pressure for me to rise and grind like Jess? And because Jess is an academic, because she's brilliant at her job, why is there pressure for Jess to climb the ranks and stay in her job and pave the way for women and just be that? Like, why is there this pressure on us now? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I've, it's coming from all angles. I, don't, I, I can't point one specific group social media issue marketing tool like i can't pinpoint it on one specific group or personal thing it's just everywhere 
Yeah. Sorry, Mpo, I, I kind of butt in when you're trying to say something. No, you're fine. I was just thinking about that. I, I, I did want to go back and say, like, I like the balance that you guys have brought to this conversation in the sense that, you know, we're not just dating for money. We're not just dating for looks. But we also do want to walk our chihuahuas, go hiking and go on silent vacations, you know, like we're a good balance of people because I think there's a lot of other women who feel the same way, but have a hard time saying that because of the in South Africa, we call it the blessy blesser culture, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, you just want to stay at home when while someone blesses you. And so the stigma comes from that, like I have to be or have to come across as ambitious or have a career so that it doesn't look like I'm just feeding off of my partner's money or income or whatever. The society has made it feel wrong. And then you have the aspect of religion where it says the man is the head of the house. And so women are coming out and saying, well, we want to be the CEOs. We want to make our own money. We want to be the head of the home. And so just bringing in those different perspectives kind of helps everyone who's listening to this see the bigger picture and not feel so guilty and feel like, oh, I could be this go-getting career-driven person and still want to tap out and be done with it all because I'm so exhausted. Because to just this point, it's tight. Like sometimes I, I love my job too, but I'm dragging myself to work, especially now as a new mom. I'm like, yo, Someone just mail me a check. Like, let me drive somewhere and let there be a bag under a tree with a lot of money. I won't say anything. I'll just put it in my trunk and I'll go home. And I won't even blast it out on social media. I won't buy expensive things. I'll just, like, live with the pleasure of the fact that my bills are paid with the strange money that I got under the tree. And that's it. Like, I won't do anything different. You can trust me with that drug money. If, you know, like, send me a location where you drop it off and... (laughs) I'm happy to keep it safe. No, you can't you. say that. This is how you implicate yourself. You gotta keep no. You're smarter than this. You just take the money and you say nothing. You don't give everyone on the internet a heads up. Now how are we as your friends supposed to ask for some of that money without also being implicated? Oh you know whatever money just random money i'm happy for it i'm here but to jess's point let it be a million dollars okay i'm not talking like hundred thousand yana or like two no like a million and i know this is this is also gonna come into play in like a a podcast in the future but with like your careers and all that jess was busy saying that she loves her job she's also killing her job and she got all these awards and it's like when you look at her, you're like, wow, this woman is really killing it at what she does. Yeah. And she, and you're like, her boss is understanding. She had a month off of work. She must truly enjoy it. And the yeah. thing is, <laughs> she clearly does not. She doesn't hate it, but she doesn't truly enjoy it. And that's okay. Yeah. But the sad thing to me is, I had to go fill out like a retirement fund thing at Nedback once, which my dad pays for because I don't make money. And they were like, yeah, in 40 years, you're going to get this money. I'm like, I have to work for the next 40 years. Jessica, imagine doing what you're doing for the next 35 years, but it only getting harder because that's what happens. It only gets harder. Yeah. Like that in itself, I feel like kills your soul. Just Mm. knowing that it's so hard right now. I'm so tired right now. And I have to do this for the next 20 to 30 years just Mm. to survive. Not to live lavish and to buy, no, just to feed your dog, mm. to go on vacations every now and again, to pay for a home, to pay your bills. And that in itself, it's it's, it's such a daunting thing. Mm. Mm. And that definitely t- 
takes its toll on my mental health because I'm like, I want, I want none of this bullshit. No. <laughs> Yeah. But it's also, it's sad when you come to the realization that this is the reality. Mm-hmm. Unless a drug cartel feels generous, there is no way you can cut yourself from this. Unless you just go live on an island somewhere and build yourself one of those t- tree houses. I don't know. But yeah, it's... Yeah. It's a sad realization, but it's something that should be spoken more about because if you're not truly happy now, what makes mm. you think you are going to be truly happy in future? And I'm not mm. talking about like, no, the happiest I've ever been in my life. Just mm. content, mm. just joyous and happy, just content. Yeah. Bringing us back to this conversation of relationships because we're people who go all over the place. <laughs> With fun, great content. Keep up with us because we are brilliant people. (laughs) Keep up. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) When it comes to getting married and or having children, a significant number of us are feeling the social pressure or the biological clock pressure. Why do you think we're experiencing this urgency to get married and or have kids? What do you guys think? Just go ahead. I don't feel that urgency. And I don't see my my friends feeling that urgency either. We are all nearing 30. Um, we're all, for the most part, apart from you, unmarried and no kids. Um, and none of us feel that pressure. We're just seeing where life takes us. And I mean, some people do feel that pressure. Mm. I spoke to a woman who I did not know recently. And she was like, listen, if you get to 30... <laughs> Um, and you're still unsure about kids, just freeze your eggs um, to take that time Mm. pressure off of you. And I never even thought about it. And that's because I'm not actively right now thinking about kids um, or marriage. Marriage is, I've always believed in love and life partners and commitment. And for me, marriage Mm. is not more of a commitment than what I commit myself to in a relationship. Um, So I've never felt, I mean, it would be great for me to put on a really nice dress and have a party with all my friends and eat great food. um, If that's the concept of it and just spending good quality time with family, but marriage as a construct, it's not really something I've ever aspired to. Not since I was a child, like Mm. you'd see girls and they'd pick out their wedding dresses and they'd know what kind of wedding they wanted. Mm. And I see stuff that I like, but I'm never like, oh, I really, really want to get married. It's just, it's not, it's Mm. for the event, yes. I'd love a wedding dress, but not for the marriage, if that makes sense. Mm. Because I commit myself so deeply in every kind of relationship that for me, uh, it's, marriage um it's not more of a commitment just because it's been ordained or because i signed a piece of paper um it's ordained in my mind it is a matrimony of sorts without the actual formalities of getting married so i just i don't feel that pressure i don't feel that pressure for marriage or for kids it's different when your partner does want kids which is what i have experienced and i'm willing to enter into those conversations on the condition because i know myself i know i will dedicate every part of my life to a child to making sure that that child is happy, healthy, looked after, even sacrificing that for myself. 
Um, so there's certain prerequisites that I need in order to be happy. And it's not all the boxes need to be ticked, but major boxes. I need to be in a financial yeah. position where I can provide for that child, mental position that I can love that child because it's very difficult. And with um, postpartum depression, that's a thing that I could be prone to. And I need to make sure that going into it, I'm of sound mind to go into that in the first place. Because if it happens, it's going to be so much worse than if I wasn't mentally prepared. Um, And honest conversations with friends about kids is helpful because Uh, I have family and friends who've had kids and it is not at all what they were expecting. But I've got now a very realistic view of what it is to parent a child. And something that I don't know if a lot of people know it about me, um, apart from just being scared to death of birthing a child, I've never been that attached to having my own child, but I've always wanted to adopt a child. It's been a lifelong dream. Oh, yes. Varsity. I've always wanted to give another child that never had that opportunity just a life. And so I could bring a child into this world and it may cause me bodily trauma and that kind of thing and all the complications that come along with that or... I can give a child who had no other option a home and love that child as my own because there would be no difference to me. Um, And I know it's easy to say because I haven't had kids or adopted kids, but for me, it's the same kind of commitment. If you choose to adopt a child, it's the same thing. So I don't feel any pressure for it, but it is, it's not written off in my mind. It's not, I never want kids. It's just like, there are certain things I need in order to be a responsible parent, I feel. And until I get there, I'm just not prepared to have kids or get married. And Mm. yeah. So responsible. (laughs) I like it. I'm trying. No, it's it's a whole human being. You should be responsible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. As a mother, I, I, I concur to that. It's not what we see on Instagram with, oh, look at my baby. Look at what my baby's eating. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And I think the experience of having a child just from a mental health perspective as well brings up a lot of triggers for you as well. You start to evaluate the kind of relationship that you had with your parents, the kind of relation, the kind of people your parents are. So all of a sudden they're not, and adulthood will do that to you. But once you have a kid, it happens even more, or it's a little bit worse. You kind of don't look at your parents through those rosy glass sunglasses and go, oh, they're wonderful. You know, you realize that some of the things that they did were really messed up and no harsh judgment because they did what they needed to do with the information that they had at that time. But it wasn't the best experience or outcome for that little human. Mm -hmm. And so learning to be accountable, like you grow up, they say kids help you grow up. Oh yeah. You grow up because you realize this person is not only watching you and um, copying what you're doing, but you risk them being the kind of adult that you are. So you have to kind of fix yourself and be um, a good role model. 
you know, you have to, I, I, I worry when parents go online or they attack celebrities and like, you're not a good role model for my child. Excuse me. You are supposed to be a good role model for your own child yeah. so that your child doesn't have to be looking at outside sources for that inspiration of who they want to be or how they can be good people in the world. Um, definitely a lot of work definitely something that you need to be physically ready for. And to the point of postpartum depression, like I never knew that I would get that, you know, I, they talk to you about it during pregnancy, but I didn't know that it would overwhelm. Like Soraya turns seven months. Um, she turns seven months in January and she turns eight in February on the 22nd. And just, I am starting finally to feel like myself, mm -hmm. like on a mental level, but body wise, my body, I was just talking to my manager at work and I said, my body feels like it's been under truck. Like it feels heavy and I've gone for like massages. So she was like, oh, I should recommend my chiropractor to you. So the, the trauma that your body, and this is not everyone, like people have fairly easy pregnancies, fairly easy labor. So I don't want to scare anyone who has some fears about giving birth that, oh my God, it could be bad. For me, it was traumatic. And so to your point, so many things resonated with me there, Jess. I think that parents should be responsible enough to share a realistic view of what it means to be a parent mm -hmm. with everyone so that when everyone goes into it, you go in knowing that I am going to have to put in some work. And sometimes that's going to come in sacrifice for taking care of myself. I got home yesterday from work and Zariah had been fussy and I'm like, man, she's hungry. And I put her on the boob and I'm like, eat, 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 eat. And zoom, she snaps my boob. I didn't have a proper lunch. I was extremely tired and I'm kind of preparing for this episode. And I just burst out in tears because I'm like, this is so overwhelming. Like, I knew she needed me, but I also needed me and I needed to eat a little bit. And so here we are in this little like ball of emotion where Michael had to take her and I had to calm down a little bit, but it's not easy. Like you have a job and then you have bills and then you have this tiny little human that you don't take out your frustrations on. You understand that they too are new to this and experiencing the world in such a different way. Mm. But I do want to hear Naledi's point because I could talk on this for like ever. <laughs> no, I love hearing what you have to say because like Jessica said, in our like immediate friends, you're the only one who's really experiencing this. So um, I'm ignorant to many of the trials and tribulations and you were busy listing all the things that you're responsible for. And on top of that, you've got a whole marriage that you also have to be present in. Yes. Um, but like Jess, I really do not feel the pressures at all. Um, I can get married whenever. I, I'm not trying to have a child. Um, mm -hmm. I think without a burning desire, I don't see the reason in having a child. I think mm -hmm. people, they justify so many big life choices. I like no this is my passion this is what I love I've always wanted this but people will just have babies on a whim and I'm like so you will save up for four years for this card where you've checked the specs of it it's you've had a poster of it it's been your dream for ages but you'll get mad and you'll be like well I guess it's time for a child and it's like unless you've got a burning desire for a child I personally, I don't see the need to have one unless I've got mm. that burning desire because like Jess, I'm kind of an all or nothing kind of gal. If I'm going to have a child, it's going to be my everything. And I always say that if I have a child or children, I wouldn't just have one. 
um, either myself or my partner would need to be a stay-at-home parent. Mm. I think that is, to me, one of the best ways to make sure that your children have a brilliant baby childhood. Mm. Not saying childhood. Mm. What do you call it when they're a baby? It's still a childhood. Yeah. <laughs> Until they go to babyhood. <laughs> there we go. Like, <laughs> if you have, let's just say, three kids. If you have one stay-at-home parent, that's the only way to ensure that at every waking moment, those children are their happiest, their healthiest, their most okayest. Mm-hmm. I know it's not a real word, but it's just, it's to make sure that everyone's okay at all times. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of parents have to make certain sacrifices or compromises with their children's upbringing because, let's face it, work is reality, bills are reality, they've got other responsibilities. So I'm also got an all or nothing approach to that. But like I said, I'm not in a rush to get married. Um, I'd love mm. to, only because like just said, I'd love to throw a big ass party. <laughs> Truly, I can sign papers literally whenever. <laughs> so it's not even like getting like getting married and having a wedding are two very different things. Yes. Um, so let me say, I'd, I, I'd love to marry my person. Like we could go tomorrow, sign some papers, that'd be excellent, whatever. Um, but that's not what people want to know when they ask you, when are you getting married? Mm. That's, that's when you know, for, that's not what people are looking for. When people are saying, mm. when are you getting married? They want to know, when are you having the spectacle of an event where all your friends and families and colleagues get to take part mm. in a party mm. with you and this person you've chosen? I'm not about the spectacle. I like big parties though. So if I have the money, sure, we'll throw a wedding. Why not? But yes. with regards to marriage, whenever we're ready and we feel like it, we can do it. Mm. There's no pressure. There's no rush. There's no whatever. It'd just be fun to be someone's wife, especially my someone's wife. Um, yes. But I do see the pressure in other people. Yeah. So I see it a lot in social media and friends that are more acquaintances than friends. I think yeah. people want to. People look at marriage and children as a milestone in life and like another step to like success. Mm-hmm. Like to be a successful, well-rounded human being, you go to university, you get a job, you climb the ranks and start succeeding in your job, you marry the love of your life, you have children. Like it's just another like thing you're ticking off the list of life. Yeah. So people feel like I've got this job, what's next? I've got this promotion, what's next? I've got a boyfriend, what's next? I'm married, what's next? It's very rarely where someone's like, oh my word, I've wanted to have a baby since I was 11. When is it happening? Um, And there are those people who want to have babies more than anything ever and have that and have all the babies you want. But with as long as, like far as, sorry, my English is just disappearing as we speak. (laughs) As far as pressure goes, I think it's a societal and an internal pressure that people put on themselves to cross it off the checklist of life. Okay, so my next question to you guys is um, sometimes in this panicked rush to get married or have children, we can ignore red flags, um, make life-changing sacrifices and give up on our dreams just to settle for someone who is perhaps also still figuring themselves out. As someone who has both witnessed and then experienced domestic violence, I learned the hard way about what a healthy relationship is supposed to look and feel like. 
in your opinion, and maybe we could start off with Jess, what are some red flag deal breakers for you? I think one of the first red flags, and this is obviously entering into a relationship, is when someone says they're not good at something that isn't like a natural talent so when someone's like I'm not good at communicating or I'm not good at let's say whatever your love language is those are skills that you learn and if they frame it as this let's call it communication so communication is not important enough to me to develop it to an extent where I can say I'm good at it or I'm a good communicator Mm. that's a red flag don't say you're not good at something like that that is a relationship core tenant you need to be able to communicate you need Mm. to be able to have empathy understanding perspective so for me one of the key red flags is when people are just they relegate themselves to not being good at something when in actuality they just it's not important enough to them it's not a priority for them to upskill themselves and better themselves in a relationship context Mm. and if you're entering your relationship with someone in that state of mind you can guarantee whatever they say they're not good at is going to compound later in your relationship it's Mm. going to be a deal breaker at some point because you you think oh well they're not good at communicating but maybe if we spend some time working on it, then they'll get better and Mm. you'll be however many months or years down the line and you're like, I cannot get through to this person. And it's because they're not dedicating their time and resources to becoming better at the things Mm. that they just say they're not good at. So that's off the top of my head, one of the things it's key in a relationship. Um, And I actually, I saw a TikTok um, and it's a girl who has these really weird, it's a book of weird questions. And it's like, if if a train was going to um, hit one person on the train tracks, or so you could kill the person on the train tracks, or you could kill everyone on the train, and there's five people on the train, or one person that could be killed. Um, it's those kinds of questions. And seeing the way your prospective partner answers those, gives you insight into a lot of the way that they think, their levels of empathy, how they rationalize certain behaviors. And it's really important to ask those weird kind of philosophical questions to get a clear picture of someone. So if people are answering those questions in a way that you do not identify with, don't expect that later on in the relationship, they are going to have had a change of heart just by sheer virtue of being with you. Like you made them a better person um, because it's not going to happen. So... (laughs) That is, I mean, it could, it could, people can improve, they can get better, but don't get into a relationship with someone with the hope of their potential. Mm. You're not getting, you're not investing in potential. You're investing in the person you see right now. And if they get better, then great, but you can't invest in something that you think will be great one day because there's no guarantee of that. Um, So yeah, circling Mm. around that the, I'm not good at X, Y, Z, red flag. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just going off what Jess said now um, about uh, people going to a relationship with people who say I'm not good at this or you see certain red flags and you're like no I can make them better or whatever um, mm-hmm. I think this needs to be reiterated because it's said often but you cannot change people people mm-hmm. need to be willing to change so when someone says a lot of time when someone says I'm not good at this it almost seems like they're going to use that, use that as an excuse to not communicate in future. Mm. It's like, that's going to be their go-to scapegoat. 
Like someone could be like, I'm working on communicating better. Because then that implies that, hey, he's still a work in progress. Yeah. But as soon as you say, I'm not good at it, it almost implies, one, that they're not, like Jay said, they're not willing to work on it. And two, that's going to be their go-to whenever they, well, they don't communicate, but whenever something goes south, and in relationships, you need to communicate. Their their scapegoat or their go-to will be, you know, I'm a bad communicator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the excuse for every single small issue that arises in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Because they were honest with you from the beginning. I don't know why you expect anything different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, a second red flag to what Jess was saying for me is insecurity and control issues. Ooh. <laughs> Um, I think with things like control issues, you will see glimpses in the beginning, Mm. but it's always glimpses that are somewhat dismissible. Mm. And it's this dismissing of the small times that this person was controlling that you are literally allowing yourself to get shown the like aggressive times. Because mm. the thing is, in the beginning, people put their best foot forward. And if they are showing control issues in that moment, it's only going to get worse when they stop putting their best foot forward. Mm. And people really need to stop ignoring the control the control issues thing because there's, there's times where women kind of, or men, where people kind of sexualize it. They're like, no, I like a man who's in control or who tells me what to do. Or let me say a partner. Because it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. And then in the beginning, because you're obsessed with this person and you're so in lust with them and everything is everything they do and say is wonderful, mm-hmm. you romanticize something that's very bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when it when your relationship settles down and you start seeing them for the person they are and you start to notice their flaws and their real control-free tendencies come out, mm-hmm. you're either already in love with them or like you feel like it's too it's too late to turn back Mm. or you're really gonna feel the wrath yeah Mm. so control issues definitely definite red flag like please guys and girls please Mm. we and it goes back to hold the issue with gender-based violence in this country is that so many women in this country date people who control their every move who want to know every single thing they're doing every single person they talk to and in that control comes a lot of aggression Mm. so that's my biggest thing is that it's not sexy it's not cool Mm. and don't romanticize it in the beginning because i can can assure you a year from now it will not be cute Mm. and you 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 in that moment you are choosing to ignore that red flag we all know control issues are a bad thing everyone knows it it doesn't need to be taught in fact it's taught to it's taught to you from a young age like if someone comes with aggression and tells you what to do that's a no-no um but yes control issues i want to move it along because i don't want to like waffle for too long and insecurities guys people with insecurities become problematic (laughs) it's so true because so many bad behaviors can stem from insecurity and unfortunately with insecurity it could go either way you could help them with their insecurities they can build and become better 
But insecurity also drives you to be a control freak, also drives you to be aggressive, also drives you to be so many different things that like you really do need to be careful with that. And we're talking to people who are grown. So you need to assess whether these insecurities are natural, acceptable to what scale or what level they apply to your person and make a decision based on that. Mm. But yes, those are my red flags. (laughs) So well said. I think if we were to give red flags a definition, um, if it feels off and like if it feels off differs from person to person, like we all have our own little boundaries or our own little um, things that we don't like. And so maybe if we say red flag, if it feels off to you, don't think that you can change it later, especially if it's like on a scale of how off does this feel to you, one to 10, and if it's a nine, I would say, you know, without becoming the person who cuts everyone off because they just have little things that annoy you, try to evaluate how much effort and energy it's going to take trying to change that person. And also ask yourself, like, is this a characteristic of, because people have like things that they don't necessarily see as wrong and maybe you could talk through it and show your perspective and they may be willing to take it. And other people have things that are their personality, like this is who they are and changing that in them would require changing who they are. And nobody wants to be in a relationship where they feel like, okay, I thought you liked me for who I am, but now it seems like you want me to be this very different person. So if it feels off for you, go back and ask yourself those two questions. Like a, is this something where we can get, perspective and I can show you and you would be willing to see my way or at least compromise and meet me somewhere in the middle or is this something that you are and I couldn't change that your solar plexus where your adrenals are is like right just in the center um below like your ribs here and if that feeling like that drop in your stomach when someone does something is like whew, what was that Don't just brush it off and be like, oh, you know, maybe I've had a lot of relationships. As someone who survived domestic violence, you sometimes can justify a behavior that's a red flag because you're like, oh, I've been dramatic in the past or whatever. So maybe this isn't a big deal. Mm -hmm. Don't silence your intuition. Don't silence those alarms that go on. Just like stop and maybe check back in with yourself if you have a mental health professional, like a therapist or something, or even friends who can hear you out. Just be like, uh, my lady this guy did this and this and this, does this sound normal? Like get feelers out so that you settle that feeling within yourself. Because some of the things that we brush off, some of the things that I felt in those domestic violence relationships were things that dropped my stomach, but I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'm being too harsh or like, maybe this is something we can work to. And maybe that's where I say the concept of working hard with someone you're in a relationship kind of irks me a little bit because it's like, there are those things that could pop up. It Maybe it's a trauma response for me. There are things that could pop up that I have tried to work toward and then it's just gotten worse. Like it didn't change. If anything, they gained more control mm-hmm. and became even more abusive because I they did that and I stayed and I was like, oh, maybe we can figure it out. And so that became like, if I do this, Mpo will stay and she's willing to figure it out. You know, Michael last night asked me, she said, as an empath, 
I'm trying to understand why someone would stay in a situation where they feel someone's energy off or like um, kind of them not being a good person. And I said, sometimes women go into relationships with the intention to heal and to mother and to nurture someone. And so that we, we need to like rid ourselves of that mothering behavior. I can take care of you as someone I'm in a relationship with, but I don't, some of the things you should have learned with your parents at home. Hey, like now we're adults and we have bills and like, I'm not going to be your parent. These, and like, there are things that I'm working on. Maybe I'm reparenting myself in areas where I wasn't parented properly. And so I want the next person to do that. But if you stop and say, oh, I'll be your parent and your spouse and I'll help you have kids and we'll build a career together. Like, it's not realistic. It's not sustainable, you know. Um, so definitely trusting those alarm bells inside of you and going with that guarantee no matter what. I saw a TikTok video where a guy said, you know, Women sometimes think that it's sexy when maybe example, you're at a restaurant and a guy orders for you, you know, and you say, no, I don't really want to eat that. And like, no, but you should try it. Like, this would be really great. And you're like, no, I'm kind of full. Maybe it's dessert. You didn't want dessert. And they're like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And they go ahead and they order it for you. That just that literal interaction is control because it's a point where you've said, no, I don't want it. No, I'm full. And they've made the decision that regardless of how you feel and what you've just said, they are going to put this in your plate on you. And it's like, Oh, he's thinking about me. It's kind of cute. No, he just disregarded valid feelings that you had about eating. Mm. And it's not that deep, but like when you go back, it's small uh, microaggressions, maybe is the word small things like that, that end up being like bigger. No, you're going to live here. Who are you talking to? Where's your phone? And it's all like spiraled out of control. So just, checking in with yourself and knowing how do I feel about this person? Do they feel good? And was that really something that triggered me because it's a trigger or because I have a past that had similar triggers? I just find it interesting how in that last explanation about the dessert, you, you then you explained all the emotional ways in which that was a big deal. And then you were like, it's not that big a deal. I'm like, that's the perfect example of it being a big deal. Yes, yes, yes. Genuinely, yes. I think if I was just kind of like, if I didn't break it down the way you did, and I was like, oh, I don't want dessert, but he ordered it anyway, that's not a big deal. But you literally mm-hmm. listed all the ways that is a big deal. So don't end that explanation with it's not a big deal. End that explanation with it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I think in my head, I was using like the voice of what it would be in the moment where okay. you say, ah, it's not a big deal. You know, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. So if you're able to talk through some of those things, they could be triggers on both sides. You know, men have triggers as well. Maybe in their past relationships, their exes were horrible people. You know, they had horrible experiences. Maybe they've experienced abuse themselves. They respond in that way. They don't, you know, um, perhaps make decisions because they feel like they were told in the past that they were aggressive when they made decisions. So they kind of sit back and you're like, why aren't you making decisions? Why aren't you making decisions? Like, yeah, I just want you to have all the power in our relationship, you know? So... Really great talk. I'm feeling good. Yeah. Let's end this with a contemplative question, right? It's Valentine's Day tomorrow. Obviously, we're recording this a little before that, but it's Valentine's Day tomorrow when you hear this. Um, There's an infinite amount of relationship advice, both on the internet as well as from our collective human experiences of love or our perception thereof. Um, What is the best relationship advice you have been given or would like to give based on experience? 
anyone. Just tell I'll, me. I'll I'll start it off. Um, I haven't been given great relationship advice. I'm not gonna lie. I can't think of some advice where I've brought into my relationship. I'm like that person was super helpful. I've gotten great life advice, but no one really advises me on my relationships. But I give a lot of relationship advice. Um, I think, and you guys are going to disagree because you've said it a couple of times in this podcast. But my thing would literally be, first of all, make sure you actually like your partner. I think a lot of people these days date for the sake of dating. So they're not as considerate or as loving or understanding to their partner as they should. Mm. If you like mm. a person, you will be considerate and loving and understanding. We do it with our friends, we do it with our family. So why is it hard when it's with your partner? Mm. So just make sure you like the person you're dating. But another thing is, relationships aren't hard. Guys, relationships aren't hard. And people will tell you that they are hard and truly I get where you're coming from, but they're not hard. Mm. Becoming a better person is hard. When you're in a relationship, you realize that you need to work on yourself so that you can work well with this other person. And it's that working on yourself that is the hardest. And I think people confuse the two. People would rather continue being their average, unaffectionate, um, I don't even know how to describe it, but I think people just want to do what they've been doing their whole lives. They don't want to grow. They're comfortable this way and they're happy this way. So as soon as they're with someone who is with them all the time, who is exposed to their flaws and all of their issues and all of their triggers, and they're confronted with that, because the person you're dating will be honest with you, they then feel like they either need to defend themselves or they need to accept it and grow. And accepting and growing is very hard. No one likes their personality scrutinized. No one likes their behavior scrutinized. But when you're with someone as often as you are with your partner, a lot of that comes to surface. And you can't fight every time your person says, I feel like it's very invalidating when you ignore me when I say this to you because I need your help. You can't fight every time someone says, listen, I understand you're with your friends, but I really needed your help with this. You can't fight someone every time they're like, listen, I know I was insecure in this moment and I'm really sorry, but is there a way we can compromise? Those aren't opportunities to fight. Those are opportunities for you to step back and be like, God damn it, I should be more patient. Like, God damn it, I should be more understanding. Like, God damn it, I am bossy. <laughs> um, those are moments in which you need to do some kind of self-reflection and be like for this relationship to work with this person I actually really like instead of me kind of ambushing them every time they say something I don't like or behave in a way that I don't like which they will do let me step back figure out why I don't like what they did talk to them about why they don't like what they did take their feedback on board and then do better moving forward and I know it sounds easier said than done, but I only say this because that is my relationship right now. I've been with this person five years. We have never fought and people never believe me. We don't fight. I don't argue with people. I have calm conversations with them. <laughs> and because he's so brilliant at communicating, that's what we do every time we upset the other person. We don't wait for it to escalate into a big fight. It can be something like really small. Like once I cancel plans with him, so I could do something with my friend. And that really hurt his feelings. And obviously in my mind, I was like, I see you like every day, relax. 
But in that moment, I needed to be understanding. I needed to put myself in his shoes. He canceled any and all plans he made that night because, to be available to me. And then I dropped him. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of fighting about it and be like, oh, I have to compromise because of my relationship. This is so hard. You need to be like, actually, I need to communicate better. I need to understand that when I drop someone, they had plans too. I need to be considerate. And I need to be open to hearing why they're upset about it. So no, I don't think relationships are hard. I think growing as a person is exceptionally hard. And I think being in a relationship forces you to grow as a person. And people misinterpret that. Yeah, I like that. That's great. That's relationship advice. <laughs> Good two cents. More like $30 worth. Thank you, advice. friends. Oh, $30. <laughs> yeah. Currency. Dollars. Benjamin. Exchange rate. Oh, I'm living. (laughs) (laughs) Jess. Yes. Best relationship advice you've been given or would like to give? So there's an account on Instagram and I follow it and I love the advice that's given on there. It's from a relationship therapist and she just offers a perspective that you don't want to hear, but it's so valid. It's the, it's your knee-jerk reaction of why you're right, and she counters that with both sides of the argument in, um, in a relationship which you aren't always first to consider because you often consider your perspective first before considering someone else's perspective. So now lady says relationships aren't hard. My perspective is different that they are hard because when you have two people that are going through life and development, when you put them together, that can be hard. Um, And so I just think that life in general is hard and relationships can be complicated um sometimes it might be easier just going about life on your own but then you also miss out those things that relationships give but so relationships are they are hard but it's not all they are they are beautiful they are wonderful they give you so many benefits and it's just a life that is completely differently lived than to if you were with a different person or even on your own. It's just a different kind of life. It's not better. It's not worse. It's not harder. It's not easier. Um, I'm not advocating for one certain type of life, but I think it's important to recognize that it's not always smooth sailing, but sometimes it is and it's great and it's wonderful. So I actually have one of um, her quotes, which I found really interesting and it says one person even a wildly self-aware elegantly emotional attuned profoundly intuitive person cannot ever do the work of two relationship work is just that it's relationship work it takes place within each partner and between partners and I thought that was such a beautiful concept to think that it's not just the relationship you're working on, it happens within you and inside your relationship together. And she pairs all of these kinds of things with a very detailed breakdown in her caption of what she's just said actually means. And she takes you through all the perspectives and then at the end has these probing questions where you can ask yourself certain things and the answers to that kind of give you an answer to the overarching question that you had. Um, so yeah, that's that's the advice that I have. Great relationship advice, friends. 
I appreciate you guys. Um, as of now, this episode is one hour, 54 minutes. Hopefully after the edits, it's not this long. Um, there were a lot of technical difficulties there. So this time probably accounts. No, you're fine. This time probably accounts for these technical difficulties. Um, do I have great relationship advice that I'd like to give or that I've been given? Not that I would like to give, but that I have been given. My grandmother and grandfather um, were married 50-something years before my grandfather passed in January of 2020. And I asked my grandmother when I was living in South Africa, like, dude, nobody lives past 40 anymore. How are you guys like still together? Like, <laughs> how does this work? And my grandmother said that 90% of it is friendship and only 10% of it is love, which is interesting because I think if you stay with someone for that long, one would hope that the love percentage is a lot higher. But I think as you go on, life challenges and so much more makes it work and kind of difficult like it feels like hard work and so difficult that you need to be friends with the person that you're with like okay like right now I don't like love love you but like I could hang with you we could watch a movie sit on the couch and like sip tea and like go party a little bit or whatever you know but like friendship makes the dream work in a sense when it comes to relationships and then my mentor who's 90 years old i've actually been looking for him for the last couple of days i've been calling his phone and i've not been able to reach him but he said something that stayed with me he said always come from the heart if you do that if you come from a place of love then it's hard for it to be junky or it's hard for it to be a bad experience and then you have no regrets about the kind of relationships that you've been in because you know that I've always set myself up to come from this place of deep love and I've given love and I've been ooh Soraya seems to agree about this love portion do you have something to say about love? yeah you know love from mommy's cuddles and kisses oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so definitely coming from a place of love I absolutely appreciate you both I love your perspectives I love how we can learn from each other and grow and have these enriched life enriching discussions where we just feel we walk away from the conversation like Nalidi said much better people more motivated to continue working on ourselves to continue working on our relationships and I'm so excited for part three which is hopefully not the last one because we've spoken about potentially having a racial talk episode <laughs> so <laughs> Part three of this will be career. We're talking all things money, boss babes, make that hey, money. <laughs> grinding. Yes, the hustle, the nine to five, or in the lady's case, the making my own hours. So Literally. I don't have to hustle. <laughs> my own hours, my own days, my own deadlines. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, we will see you guys in the next episode. Signing out as per usual. Maholokwe, Kiotaba, Rwile. Aloha. You say aloha, baby? Oh, yeah. Aloha. <laughs>
The second big step would be exploring the various ways you can become an official supporter of my journey by signing up for our Patreon offerings. We offer some great benefits such as one-to-one -one phone calls and distance Reiki sessions with me. For more information, visit patreon.com forward slash journey with Mpo. The link is in the episode notes. If you loved what you heard, then subscribe to the show and continue to share episodes that resonate with friends and family. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a few minutes to rate and review us so we can continue to get our content to the people who need it the most. We are serious about getting your feedback, so if you'd like to take the rating and review a step further, check out our feedback survey link in the episode notes. Your feedback will help us to continue offering content that matters to you and is worth your time. Finally, in this day and age, it apparently matters how many followers you have on social media. So go ahead and find us on Instagram at Journey with Mpo, and we promise to make it worth your while by sharing heart-centered, conscious content. Thank you for your continued support. I cannot wait to spend time with you again in the next episode.